Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. This week, we're looking at a series of Chuvot that relate to the letter K for Kashrus. We're not going to look at Chuvot on things such as dishwashers, sinks, ovens, microwaves. We'll leave that for another time. We're going to look rather at Chuvot that relate to actual products that may or may not be kosher. Um, and specifically, we're going to look at the issue of Chol of Yisrael, of whether milk has to have Jewish supervision in the milking in order for it to be kosher. Um, and we're going to look at the issue of blended whiskey and a concern that there might be non-kosher wine blended into whiskeys that do not come with accompanying hechsherim. And uh, with this episode, we're going to focus specifically on the issue of gelatin. Gelatin is a product derived from animal um, skins um, and bones, very often that of pigs, but not exclusively. Um, and uh, this is a uh, this is a chemical through a process. This chemical is derived that then, when you know, added to food, serves as a gelling agent. And I'm sure listeners are aware that there's a major debate about whether or not gelatin is considered to be kosher. How much um, are the uh, bones of a pig that don't have marrow, let's assume we're dealing with pig bones, are they considered forbidden altogether? Um, are they actually, um, once uh, the chemical is derived from them, how much it, does it connect to the original thing itself? Similar types of questions are being asked today um, in the whole issue about uh, lab-grown meat. That would be a cop topic for a completely different time. Anyway, we'll see that in Rav Moshe's vote, he does not really get deep into the discussions about whether gelatin is kosher or not. He deals with it very briefly, and in some of these initial two vote, actually, we're going to be looking at the, at him responding to cases where there was an attempt to create a kosher form of gelatin, and uh, only in the final two vote we'll deal with the classic gelatin that is derived from um, from pigs or from animals that were not shechted properly. So we start with a tuva from Yerdea two twenty seven from nineteen sixty three. And the topic is as follows. So we're making gelatin from kosher animals, from cows, not from pigs. Um, and we're shechting them properly. It's not an Avela problem. This is the byproduct, let's say, of the kosher uh, slaughter industry. Use those uh, skins and bones to make gelatin. And here's the question. Um, is the actual gelatin fleshich or parav? Um, so, here's, so here's what the questioner says. Um, Hine, or what Rav Moshe says, um, and again, this is from Yerdea 227, 1963. It's made from kosher, skins of kosher animals, um, not bones, skins, and those skins are also salted. Presumably, uh, that's both referring, or might either be referring to the process of drawing out the gelatin, but then he wouldn't mention it. I believe he means that if there's any concern that there's little pieces of uh, meat left, which we'll see in another tshuva, they salt the skin so that they remove any possible blood. So it's totally 100% kosher, slaughtered properly. It's a cow with no blood. So here's the question. Can you consider the gelatin parav? And then make, use this gelatin in products that will be eaten with milk. So Rav Moshe says, okay, we're only dealing with the skin. The skin is in fleishich. Only the meat is fleishich. 
It makes sense to me that the skin with milk is not even a rabbinic problem. It's not even rabbinically considered to be fleshach. Even if those were the moist, um, the skins, the skins when they were just coming off of the animal had not been dried out and desiccated and treated. He says, but okay, there's a prima gadim who says that we should treat those skins as asadra banan. Travosha says, fine, maybe, I don't really believe that the prima gadim is correct, but okay, it would be nice to go like that, but we'll do that only if the skins are moist. But when the skins are dried out, says Rav Moshe, there is no reason to be concerned that they are fleshich at all, and therefore the gelatin would be parav. And then he says, when it comes to the skin, um, we should uh, generally be very skeptical that there's a problem to begin with. At most, there might be a drabanan, according to the prima gadim, and therefore we should be very inclined to be lenient. And then he deals with a minute for the what the questioner asked. So he said, the questioner said, well, let's be lenient this way. Gelatin doesn't give tom. And this is a foreshadowing of the larger discussions about gelatin, which is, on the one hand, if you use gelatin and you consider it to be not kosher, so maybe it is tasteless, um, but is it a problem because it, uh, you know, it gives shape to the object, and that's called davar hamamid, and it gels it, and that's a different discussion which we will get to very soon. But here the point is that gelatin doesn't have taste, and therefore what's being derived from the skins doesn't have taste, so it can't be fleishich because you can't create fleishich if there's no taste of the meat. Um, and that was this positioner's uh, point. And mom, it isn't relevant to er- issues of fleshechs and milchechs. Okay, I hear the svara, but you know, he says, that's no real proof to that. And if we were clearly dealing with a rabbinic problem, I would not rely on it. But as I said, said Rav Moshe, it's highly questionable if this was even a rabbinic problem, even if the skins were moist, certainly not when the skins are dried out. And then he makes another important point about uh, these type of svarot and what is considered a safek. He says, Here's a good point. Um, you know, if we just took an approach that this was a drabanan and we don't know if it gives taste or it doesn't give taste, suffix drabanan and so on, says Rav Moshe, well, how do you call it a suffix if you could just do a few taste tests yourself? Therefore, um, says Rav Moshe, that's not the approach I'm going on because I'm speculating it doesn't give taste. I'm just saying these skins are not a problem altogether. Rav Moshe has some more discussion in this chuva, and then he concludes with a tiny paragraph that gets to the question of gelatin from non-kosher sources. If it's made from non-kosher animals like pigs, or even from cows that weren't slaughtered properly, one should treat them as forbidden. Notice that phrase, not asur, yesh le'esur. It's proper to treat them as forbidden. There is some prohibition regarding skin and bones of animals, even if there's no marrow and no meat and so on. There is a prohibition connecting to them. Even though it is not, one has not transgressed the biblical violation of eating non-kosher animals. It's forbidden, but it is one is exempt. And therefore, the derived gelatin is forbidden. So what Rav Moshe says in one tiny little sentence is the whole debate of gelatin. Number one, how forbidden is it 
um, the skin and the bones without marrow. Um, Rav Moshe says there's an isur. Does that mean rabbinic? Does that mean it's biblical, but it's not the violation of these uh, of, of the actual prohibition of, of pork or of nevela. Number two, we're not dealing with the skins and the bones themselves. We're dealing with the derived gelatin. And Moshe is not uh, getting into the question of, the, you know, the whole process of uh, desiccating them and deriving this chemical. Is the chemical really like the original thing itself and so on? So that's why Rav Moshe signals to the idea, hey, you know, there are some problems here. Um, I'm not unpacking this. It's proper to treat it as forbidden, but also that it's a question mark exactly how forbidden it is. And we will see this as in the uh, two vote that we are about to look at. So we now turn to a chuva from Yerdea 223 from a year later, from 1964. We're only going to look at this briefly. Um, also just because it again reflects an industry of creating, uh, of trying to create kosher gelatin. So the question is, So here they have the skins that they're using for gelatin and there's a little meat left and they don't want the blood, you know, mixed up. That would be a kosher's problem. Can you use a chemical treatment to get the blood out rather than the normal process of salting um, in order to uh, then make it blood-free to use it now for your gelatin, kosher gelatin purposes? So Rav Moshe deals with it. He named it over. You need to do, so it's hard to remove the meat, so you need to do malicha. That's very expensive. We'll remember in the past, he mentioned that they actually did do malicha in the case he was talking about there. You want to use chemicals to do this. Can you do that and then use this for gelatin? So Rav Moshe says, So this becomes a whole fascinating discussion. You know, the Gemara speaks about the process of salting or roasting to get the blood out. And of course, you know, it doesn't get all the blood out, but because you follow the proper halachic process of salting or roasting, now any blood that's left is not considered to be a problem. So here Rav Moshe says, when it comes to some new process not in the Gemara, we're not going to do some chemical analysis and decide if there is blood or isn't blood. Um, anything that's not in the Gemara is not going to sufficiently be considered to get all the blood out, and therefore you cannot use this process. So that's a conversation we can get to when we get up to M for Malicha. Don't worry, we're not doing M for Malicha. But for now, what we see is, again, this attempt to create kosher gelatin. And we now jump to the last paragraph where he deals with uh, another form of gelatin made from non-kosher animals, uh, where he's uh, prepared to say that it might be completely permissible. So in the last paragraph, he says as follows. So now, you actually, the use of leather that has been tanned and processed um, to make into leather goods, to make into leather for shoes or other types of leather goods, and now apparently they want to use that that leftover leather and extract from it the chemical and use it for to make gelatin. So here Rav Moshe says, this I can say is totally permissible, even again though these skins are from non-kosher animals or animals not shechted properly. And why is this? It's because the Gemara has two categories of skins of animals. Skins from animals that the skin is soft and it essentially has halachically like the meat, and skins of, um, from animals like cows where the skin is hard and is distinct from the meat. Um, and Rav Moshe says, look, even in those animals where the skin is considered to be like the meat itself and is forbidden, um, just like the meat of the animal itself, um, the uh, Rambam makes it clear that once those, and the Gemara makes it clear that once those skins are processed and turned into leather, they're no longer 
longer prohibited. So, okay, maybe there's some rabbinic prohibition on them still, maybe. But that's with things which started off being really us or really treated like pork or like nevela or like the meat itself. When you're dealing with the skin of animals in which the skin was never the same prohibition, and then you treat it and you turn it into leather, so there's no basis to think that that skin has any prohibition that applies to it. Because even from the very outset, it did not have the prime prohibition of nivella or non-kosher animals. It was some other general unclear, unspecified type of a problem, which Rav Moshe says is at most rabbinic. And therefore, once um, it's been treated, Rav says Rav Moshe, it should be completely permissible. So let's read that. So he says, Here he takes it for granted, which he won't in another tshuva, that at most this prohibition is of a rabbinic nature. Even if we were to say that that those animals whose uh, skin is considered to have the same halachic status as the flesh, that once that skin is treated and turned into leather, there is some prohibition to eat it. But he says, that's only at most a rabbinic problem. And therefore, that rabbinic problem, we can assume even if it were to exist, would not apply to the skin of animals which, whose skin is distinct from the meat, which is itself at most a rabbinic problem. So he says, There's no basis to assume that the rabbis would have forbidden it in this case. And therefore he concludes and says, Even though those that are like flesh, there's maybe some level of doubt um, after they've been turned into leather, what their status is, those skins that never initially were like flesh, we can allow it, since they've been tanned and treated and turned into leather, these are certainly permissible. So here Rav Moshe says that um, at most the nature of the problem of uh, skin is rabbinic, and that certainly once it's been transformed and turned into leather, it's not a problem. This is all laying good groundwork for Neil, the Cuba we turn to, which deals with the actual question of the kashrus in standard cases of gelatin made from non-kosher animals um, or from animals that were not shechted properly. So we now turn to your day at 232. Um, in a tshuva written no later than 1973, it's not dated, but the volume came out in 1973, and it was written on uh, Tzom Gedalia, and the title is B'davar Hamadas Ice Cream, Can You Use Something to Make Ice Cream Have Its Form? Um, something that is doubtful, prohibited, and that is, or that is only forbidden rabbinically. And uh, of course, now we know the background, and we know that Rav Moshe's approach to gelatin, because it comes from the skin, seems to be that at most it's rabbinic. Um, and now the question is, well, okay, what happened if you actually did use gelatin in making ice cream? What is going to be the story? And uh, here, this is written to Rev. Ephraim Greenblatt, one of Rav Moshe's main Talmidim, and he writes as follows. B'davar ice cream shemamidim b'davar isur. You use it, it's interesting, he doesn't first introduce the idea of gelatin. Maybe there'll be some reaction, oh, gelatin is treif, etc. So first he's going to frame the issue abstractly, and then he'll introduce the idea that we're talking about gelatin. So you use the thing to give the form to the ice cream, something prohibit, prohibited. 
Now, the assumption is, we also remember in an earlier Tshuva, Rav Moshe raised the question, how obvious is it that gelatin doesn't have taste? But here he's going to take for granted that the thing we're dealing with has, gives off no taste, but it has the effect of giving form. So that is halachically considered to be davar hama'amid, which is what gelatin is. So he says, imu isur doraita, if the thing, that the prohibited thing was biblical, obviously, yesh lesor bi'imhu levad hama'amid, if it alone causes the form, and this now becomes another thing about if you have a zevizagore, maybe multiple agents give something the form, and then that raises the question whether the thing is considered a davar hamamid. But if Moshe says, if this thing alone gives the form, even if it gives no taste, it is a obviously going to be a problem if it is biblical. But if it's only rabbinically prohibited, even if it's a doubtful iser doraita, maybe doraita, but maybe not, so then he says, listen, then this is an issue of debate, whether we pass in Davar Hamam, it is really a problem. So the Marshal says that, you know, Dover Hamamid is not really an idea. If it doesn't give off taste, it's not really a problem. And uh, the Dogomer Vava, um, the note of Yehuda, tries to bring a proof to this from Rashi. Then Rav Moshe goes on a long discussion whether he agrees with that proof from Rashi, whether he agrees with that proof from Rashi, or he doesn't agree with that proof from Rashi. But at the end of the day, says Rav Moshe, even though we can debate Rashi, that's Marshal's position, and the Dogomer Vava thinks it's Rashi's position, and so okay, we should say that the idea, this is already shocker number one, is Davar Hama'amid a problem um, when it doesn't give taste, although we always assume, oh yes, of course, there's this problem of Davar Hama'amid. Rav Moshe says we have to be honest and we have to acknowledge that this is a machlokas of psak. So therefore, if you had something that was only rabbinically prohibited to begin with, or suffolk to right to prohibited, and now it wasn't giving taste, it was only a davar mamid, so then you have either on the durabanan side, if it was durabanan, it's suffolk durabanan, and if it started off as a suffolk doraita, it's a svexveka doraita. So at least post facto, it should be allowed. Since there's no taste, or Rav Moshe is saying if there's 60 times it, of course, then we can assume taste. Maybe this explains why before he wasn't ready to say there's definitely no taste, but even if we assume some taste, once there's 60 times, it's batel. So, and gelatin is less than 60. And therefore, we're only left with the Davar Hamamid issue. And therefore, we can say, post facto, it's okay. But Rav Moshe says, okay, but let's, fa- but let's face it, that's only post facto. First of all, you wouldn't give a hechsher to that, so this doesn't affect the whole hechsher industry. I mean, the hechsher industries in general never rely, never will give a hechsher to something that has treif product, even if it's batel. Not because of issues of mevatlinis or lechatchila, which you'll see aren't really relevant at all and Rav Moshe will deal with, but as a policy matter, they don't give hechsherim to anything with even trace amounts of of treif products. Um, but Rav Moshe is saying, if you want to talk not about the hechsher industry, but post facto, if gelatin was used, Okay, it's going to be, uh, it's Dover Mamid, question if that's a problem. Gelatin's at most rabbinic. Maybe it's a suffix doraita. Okay, fine. Either way, it's a suffix, and therefore, whether, whether Mamid is an issue, and therefore, post facto, it'll be okay.
That's only post facto. Of course, you, if you're a Jew that is making this ice cream, then obviously you can't mix it in because even if it's only rabbinic, whatever the nature of the problem of gelatin is, even if it's only rabbinic, then um, you're not allowed to actively do a bit to mix it in. And even if it's a doubtful issue, you're not allowed to actively intentionally add that ingredient. You can't give this hechsher to a Jewish firm. Now, there's two fascinating things in this one little line. Number one is the problem of is only for Jews. There is a whole question of whether this problem applies for a non-Jew doing it for the sake of a Jew. And Rav Moshe here, and in other Jewot as well, seems to only acknowledge that there is a problem of Eimavatlin Isser when it is a Jew who's doing it, or at least a Jew who owns the firm. So for a non-Jewish firm, says Rav Moshe, we don't have to have a whole discussion of Eimavatlin Isser Lechatchila and about should it be Isser for the people for whom it's being done, etc. Things we'll see also when we get to the blended whiskey. Says Rav Moshe, that is a problem, a prohibition that applies to what Jews do, not to what non-Jews do. So that's number one. Number two is he says, therefore, don't give a hechsher to such a Jewish place, which. I don't know, suggests that if it was a non-Jewish place, even if they actually put in this ingredient, you could give a hechsher to it. Um, against the point I said before, that at least the current practice in hechsher industries is they would never consider giving a hechsher to something that had trace ingredients. Here, Rav Moshe is saying, if we don't have to worry about Eimavatlinister because it's a non-Jew who's doing it, and post facto it's okay, it does not seem to rule out the possibility that you would actually give a hechsher to such a place. And now he says, okay, we've been talking abstractly. Now we're going to say that what we've been talking about is gelatin. The iser to gelatin who rocks suffix iser. It's a doubt if it's an iser doraita. Oh, who rock iser midrabanan? At most, it's a drabanan, or it's a suffix iser doraita. Shalav de nevela leka al urabatsamot. It's clear the prohibition, as we've seen, of nevela does not apply to the skin or to the bones. And then he says, the Rambam says that you're potter. Maybe it's a doraita. Ach loli iser la, but it's certainly not the negative prohibition. Or, which we see that Rav Moshe took for granted, another two vote, the easiest thing to say, maybe that it's a rabbinic type of a prohibition. There's no need to go at length. If there is shishim, then given that at what you're left with is mamid, mamid itself is doubtful if it's a problem, and given that at most this is a drabanan or a suffix deraita. So then he says, Therefore, if it was done unintentionally by a Jew, unintentionally you could be lenient, presumably by a non-Jew, even intentionally. And then he gets to another question about, is it exactly mamid? We saw before the question about, is it the only factor that causes the ice cream to have the form? Also, one could say, is what it does to the ice cream enough of a mamid? Classic mamid was turning milk into cheese, which is more transformative than what gelatin does um, to ice cream. Um, and th- then he says, ofen ice cream. Again, emphasizing if a Jew wants to do it. Then he says, but again, repeating that even if it's a tiny amount, and even if it's batel, and even if it's not, even if it's not mamid, you, you know, even if something else is doing the mamid, you can't add in any even tiny amounts of iser. That is the prohibition of ein mevatlin iser lechatchila. 
Um, and then Rav Moshe ends, Mimela Trichim Nimzo Davar Mutter Shechol Lahamida Ice Cream Shishmati Kiesh Var Mutar Mishama Meeting Baham. I have found that there are other things that you can use for ice cream that are kosher, and therefore you should use them. So in these two votes, Rav Moshe makes it clear, you know, though he said that one should forbid the use of gelatin, that its uh, status is very questionable. He assumes it's an Isra Durabanan because uh, that the skin or the bones are an Isra Durabanan, although here he says maybe it's an Isra Duraita. But given that it's going to be Batel and you're only left with Mamid, question about how big of a problem Mamid is, although in general we always assume Mamid is a problem, or if Moshe acknowledges or makes the point that it's a matter of debate. And what he sort of skips in all of these to vote, um, although alluded to in the discussion about sort of the skin that was tanned and made into leather, is that uh, that would be if we were talking about the skin itself, but you're just extracting the chemicals. There's basis to say that that's not us or at all. So it seems clear that Rav Moshe certainly did not take a firm position on gelatin, um, and uh, post facto he's explicit uh, that he would be lenient for the fair, for the reasons that are that are mentioned. To end this discussion, I'd like to read an excerpt from a tshuva um, from Rav Yechezkel Abramsky, quoted in the beginning of the fourth chelik of the Tzitzeliezer on the issue of gelatin. Um, and just sort of compare and contrast that to Rav Moshe. He goes through the whole analysis again about the bones and the skin, and it's only what level of prohibition is actually applies to them, and it's something only that's derived from the bones and the skins, etc., etc. And he ends by saying the following, It's true that as a matter of halacha, it seems that there's really no problem with gelatin. Not even the mamid issue that Rav Moshe dealt with, just the very substance itself is too derivative. Um, it's not from the flesh, it's not a problem. But we have to consider the public policy consideration. Is paskining that it's mutter, what will that lead to? What's going to happen is, is that those uh, reformers are going, who are trying to lead people astray from halacha are going to say that, look, the sages of Israel can go ahead and they can change halacha to whatever they want. They can take stuff that's derived from a pork and declare that it's mutter. Look at these rabbis. Until now, everybody assumed that because they didn't, you know, that the gelatin was forbidden because they didn't really understand how it was made. They all just assumed since it's coming from porks and so on and, and non-culture animals, it's treif. And they made other mistakes. Um, and then, therefore, therefore, they're going to use this as an opportunity to say, "You see, the rabbis didn't know what they were doing initially. They're doing. They, they, they don't know what they're doing now." And he says, "And this is not some uh, empty concern." And now, if we paskin that it's mutter, that will just strengthen this corrupt idea. That's so widespread that the rabbis do whatever they want. A, they make mistakes. They didn't get it right the first time. B, they took something that was strafe, and now all of a sudden they waked up and they decided it's mutter. You know, where there's a rabbinic will, there's a halachic way. So he says, um, they can do with it whatever they want. People will just say the rabbi say whatever they want. And therefore he says, so Chodoma, um, so therefore, when it deals with things that are for the public consumption, we should not tell them it's permissible. We have to tell them that it is forbidden. So on the one hand, uh, 
fascinating in that he comes out. We skip the whole analysis, but in terms of the actual psaac of gelatin itself, willing to say not just because of mommy, that's straight based on what it is, derived from chemicals, whatever, and so on, it's permissible, which one sense is, is pretty similar to Rav Moshe's position as well. Um, and then number two, that his policy, which is, one has to acknowledge the irony, so people shouldn't say that the rabbis can constantly change halacha and say whatever it is, then although the halacha here says it's mutter, we should say that it's usr. We should do exactly that and say halacha is something different than what it is. Um, one has to acknowledge the irony. Nevertheless, this type of a policy decision, I think, is nothing something you would never find in Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe always deals very soberly with exactly what the halacha is. Um, the most here you'll see is he'll say something like Ein Lahatir or Yesh Lesur, comments like that, but never that we should say that something is Usr when it actually is Mutter. Um, and uh, and we've actually seen explicit cases like in a woman Mashkicha, where somebody tried to push back and say, whoa, slippery slope and policy and this and that. And Moshe says, you know, you got a paskin halacha as it is. That's where our obligation um, lies. So within this area, making it clear that gelatin has problems with it, but Bidyeved, there certainly is is uh, a lot of reason Rav Moshe felt uh, that one could be lenient. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z, now celebrating 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.